All right, hello, LinkedIn and YouTube. We are live today. This is an unplanned session, but hopefully a session where you'll get a lot of value from. We're gonna talk about the skills required to get started in data science or even to progress your career in data science. So I have a special guest with me today. His name's Andrew Jones from Data Science Infinity. I'm gonna bring him on in just a minute, but first I'll announce that Data Science Infinity is a community partner for the upcoming Dedicated Conference that's taking place on October 27th, 10 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be on LinkedIn Live, just like you're joining us right now, and double streamed to YouTube for, for recording and safekeeping. But as part of the community partnership, Alex is nice enough to give away three, uh, three half-hour sessions, one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, where he's going to actually sit down with you live and talk to you about your data science career and do a bit of coaching on interview skills and resumes and all that good stuff. So in order to win, you have to ask great questions from Andrew. Any questions you have in, in terms of you know, skills required for getting into data science, we'll take them. And as you're joining, since we're talking about skills, maybe let us know in the comments if you think it's easier to get soft skills or the technical skills, right? So if you're just starting out, what do you think is easier to uh, acquire soft skills or technical skills. All right, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Andrew Jones. Hey, Andrew. Hello, how are you doing? Great, how are you? I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Sure, you had your own LinkedIn Live this morning, right? I did, I did. I've already done over an hour of LinkedIn Live with another another Kate, so I am all over LinkedIn at the moment. My face is everywhere. Not that that's a good thing, maybe, but it is. <laughs> Well, Andrew, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? So I am a data scientist. Um, I have just in the last six months created something called Data Science Infinity, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. Um, but I come from a little bit of a different background to most data scientists, I suppose. So I, I didn't, uh, I didn't formally learn data science or computer science or mathematics. I actually uh, have a degree in marketing and a degree in psychology. So. I, uh, I landed in, in analytics, I suppose, before the, the word data science was popular uh, by playing uh, indoor cricket with a colleague, a, a friend of mine, and he was the manager of a marketing analytics team. And I just got talk to it, talking to him as I sort of graduated from university. And he said, well, you like maths and you like marketing. So how would you like to be a marketing analyst? So I said, yeah, sounds good to me. So I interviewed and I got the role. And that was, that was sort of how I got into the field. Um, and... It's just grown from there. So I, I started using SAS was my first programming programming uh, language that I used, and it just it just connected with me. And I've just built on it, and and you know I learned some linear regression and logistic <coughs> logistic regression, and it seemed like magic to me. And it's just progressed and progressed. And now I've been fortunate to work for Amazon, and um, more recently, up until March of this year, I was working at Sony PlayStation building and prototyping some machine learning and deep learning features for the PlayStation 5, which was really cool. And I just found out the other day that Sony's actually patented a few of the things that I was working on. So I've sort of come from a bit of a non-technical background, but I've had to sort of work hard to make get my way there. But um, yeah, and since March, like I say, I've been working on a data science program called Data Science Infinity. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think it's good that you have this, you know, non-traditional, I'd say, background and you've gotten into data science and worked at these great companies because that's what you're helping people do now with Data Science Infinity, right? Yeah, exactly. So so Data Science Infinity is, well, the, 
where where it's come from. So it's been inspired by the fact that when I was at Amazon and Sony PlayStation, I was very fortunate that I got to interview and screen hundreds and hundreds of data scientists and, and people in other technical roles. And what I saw time and time again was people were coming into the field and they were learning in the wrong way. So they were they were learning things that people had told them they needed to learn, but that these things didn't translate to what a hiring manager actually needed. There was this disconnect between what people were learning and what the hiring manager was asking for. Um, so I, I sort of took all of that information and I didn't want to be I didn't want to be another person telling you what you should or shouldn't learn because I'm just one person and you know I've gone down certain avenues more than others and and I didn't want to be just another person saying you need to learn this, you don't need to learn that. So I I went out and um, I talked to hundreds of uh, leaders, um, hiring managers, and recruiters in the field and asked them exactly what it is that they're looking for and what are the differences between people who are successful um, in terms of getting roles in the field and those who unfortunately miss out. And I distilled all of that down into what is the fundamental content for Data Science Infinity. So it's it's not just me telling you what to learn. It's, it's based on the industry and the demands of the industry. So uh, that's sort of something that differentiates it from a few other, you know, online courses or even university degrees, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm just uh, hopping into the comments. So the question I asked everyone as they were joining was if it's easier to pick up soft skills or technical skills. And Sheetal says it's easier to learn technical, technical. Uh, Peter says soft skills. Adrian says soft skills are much harder as they take life experience. I think it's uh, people, I think that based on your personality as well, uh, the, the answer always differs when you ask this question. But what, what do you think, Andrew? What's what's easier to pick up, soft skills or technical skills? I think you're right that it, it varies between person to person. And maybe it varies as well based on what you've done in the past and where you're coming into data science from. But I would say if I had to answer that question, I would say the softer skills are harder. And I, I say that primarily because those are the skills that I see missing from people's broader skill set more often. So a lot of people know Python and a lot of people know SQL and a lot of people can build a machine learning algorithm, but it's it's the people that can. So so I, I put a post up about this the other day and, and it was the crux of it was the the best data scientists that I've ever worked with are not the smartest ones by definition. It's not the guys who are who are razor sharp at maths or a, a brilliant coders. It's the one that it's the ones that can understand a, a business problem and formulate what the appropriate data science solution is, and then communicate that and instill that across the business. Those are the ones that those are the ones that are adding value to a business, and that at the end of the day is what we're there for. Nobody's really paying us to just sit in a chair and be really good at maths or really good at coding. They're paying us to add value. So from a point of view of like what makes a great data scientist, I think it's that value add. And I think it's those soft skills which complement the the technical skills, but those are the ones that really progress you into a, a great data scientist. Yeah, really, that, that next level, I absolutely agree. Um, we have a question here from Jesse. What's your handle, Andrew? Because she'd love to follow you, but there are a lot of people with your name. It's so <laughs> funny, Jesse, because we right before we hit the live button, we were talking about how unique Andrew Jones' name is. <laughs> So where can they find you, Andrew? Uh, I, I mean, my my handle on LinkedIn is it's Andrew Jones dash Data Science Infinity at the moment because I'm I'm trying to market my course a little bit. So if you search Andrew Jones Data Science Infinity, 
you should find me. If not, um, I'll find your question and I'll, I'll get in touch with you after this, if that works. But you know what? I, I have the live stream going, so I'm going to go ahead and put your link to your profile so people can find you. I wish it was easier for me to just tag you, but that's currently not the case when we go live. It is one of the most common names in the world, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, Adrian says that you have the coolest resume he's ever heard of. Look at that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Here, Dennis also um, shared your link. So thank you. Right, Thanks for thank that, you. Dennis. Okay. So interesting question from Thomas. If you were to change the position name data scientist, how would you name it? Uh, I, yeah, that's a tricky question. It's a great question. Um, I don't, so I don't mind the debate around the name data scientist. I, I, I understand that it's a, an extremely broad term that a lot of people, you know, a data scientist, one company can be doing something completely different to a data science scientist in another company. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have a huge problem with it, to be honest. I mean, when you look at the news at the moment, say, and they say, scientists say this and scientists say that it's like even more broad. Um, but I guess, the, the the title that I think is best is the one that it used to be called, which was data analyst, because mm -hmm. we, we that's that's the primary thing we're doing with data most of the time is we're analyzing data. That's kind of the the meat of the sandwich that we're you know that we're working on a lot of the time. And then there's all these other little bits around that. The science bit is a little bit vague, I suppose. We we do science to some degree. You know, when you think say a hypothesis test, that's kind of a scientific test, you could argue, but it's the analysis of data and the, the sort of extracting insight from data that I think is the primary thing that we do. And again, it varies company to company, role to role. But that's my that's my best answer to that question, I think. Yeah, I think that's that, that was a tough question. That's why you're here, Andrew. You're here to answer all the questions. <laughs> so question here from uh, Adrian. What's been your biggest challenge and hurdle to overcome? I would say, and this relates to what I was saying in terms of uh, how I got into or how I sort of progressed my career. So I I never studied mathematics. So when I was working at Sony, for example, I was, you know, building machine learning and deep learning uh, mm -hmm. tools and models and whatnot. And for me to understand the maths or the statistics or the mathematics behind something like a machine learning algorithm, that takes me a huge amount of effort because I'm not coming from a pure maths background. Like a mathematical formula to me is a, still a real struggle. It's not a language that I speak very well, but but I see that as a, if I, if I was to look at my career as a whole, I almost see that as a positive thing looking back now, because when I, when I need to understand what's going on underneath the hood of a machine learning algorithm, I have to look at that mathematical formula and I have to break it down into the little parts and figure out, like in words, write down what each part is doing. And I think that's helped me get a more intuitive way of understanding what's going on because the formula to me itself is almost meaningless. I need I need to know what each thing means. And I think that's helped me as well because it, I've learned these things in this intuitive way. And when I need to uh, explain that to a stakeholder who maybe is coming from a non-technical background, that makes that easier for me because I've already done the hard work of breaking it down into its parts and, and explaining it to myself <laughs> in a way that I can understand. And then that makes that conversation easier. So that's something I really struggle with is that heavy mathematics is really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, there's a question here from Carlos that touches on a very similar 
question. So how difficult did you find transitioning from a non-technical role to where you are? And I guess your answer is, again, that math side of things, right? Yeah, although I've, I've never been in a non-technical role. So that very first role I got was a technical role. It was an analyst role using SAS as the programming language. And then, you know, early on in my career, I was, I was using linear regression, logistic regression. So I, I sort of translated from non-technical degrees at university, I suppose. And then mm. I just, I sort of fell into it. Like I say, I was playing cricket with a guy and he, he offered me a, an interview. So I, I just happened to fall that way. But I don't know, for, for me, I've always, it felt, it feels like quite a natural thing for me trying to figure mm. out how something works. And, and that's why I, and that's why I enjoy it so much and why I'm passionate about progressing my career and why I'm passionate about helping other people, I think, because you know, I, I really have to work hard to figure this stuff out. But once I've figured it out, I really enjoy that process. So I want to help other people get there as well. Yeah, and you've just given hope to Dennis. Um, he says this gives hope to all the non-mathematicians out here. <laughs> um, okay, so question from Shital. What does it take to switch careers to data scientists? So companies expect people having, you know, past experiences in this, and a lot of people end up lying on their resume and getting a job. What is your take on that? So what does it take to switch to switch your career to a data scientist? Well, so if if I was to if I was to talk at a very high level about what a data scientist needs and you could go you could talk for an hour on this because there's like we said before it's such a broad field and so many people are doing different things but so I would say that at, at the very high level you need to know some programming so uh, and I would say SQL and I also advise and I teach Python although I don't want to get into the Python versus R debate because I don't want to offend anybody but but and I I actually don't mind which you use but I learned SAS first and then I moved to R and then I learned Python um, and I love R I love R to bits but I I learned Python because um, it integrated better with some data engineering teams that I was working alongside at Sony and they had more experience using Python rather than R. So it just made that a little bit easier. But so you need some coding skills. You do. Um, you need some math skills, but not, but what I say to people is don't fear the mathematics that's, that people tell you you need. Some people will say that you need to read uh, mathematics textbooks for like a year before you're allowed to touch a machine learning algorithm. And I just, I completely come at it from the other angle, I think. Mm. And, and I can't remember who said this, somebody, Jeremy Howard, I think, who's, who was the creator of Fast AI. He, his, his view on this was that if you want to teach your kid to play baseball, you don't start by teaching them the the laws of physics and why a ball curves through the air and why when you hit a ball, it goes a certain distance. You go and hit a ball and you see what happens and then you hit it again. And when you miss it, what happens and what do you do? And and that's how I like to learn the, the mathematics of it. Just like push some buttons and see what happens and then turn the dial and push the button again. So, so don't fear the mathematics. I think that's just a really exciting part of it to get into. But you do need to know some mathematics and some statistics. But try and try and learn that in an intuitive way because that's what I, I think helps make it more fun and make it more accessible. Um, you need to know some data exploration. So libraries like pandas and Python or uh, say data visualization with matplotlib or uh, Tableau. Those, th these are the sort of high level things you need. Mm -hmm. But remember at the end of the day, it's not all about the technical skills. It, it, it is 
like I was saying before, the, the best data scientists aren't the ones necessarily with the best technical skills. They're the ones who can understand the business problem and and come up with a an appropriate and relevant data science solution, which the business buys into and then gets put into place, you know, whatever it may be. So if you're coming from another field, I think see that as, see that as a positive because you can add so much more to the data science role than somebody who's coming from no experience. So uh, I think my overall view is that those are the sort of high level things you need. I, I can't remember the rest of the question. It was about some people uh, end up lying on their CVs, but. Yes, pretty um, much because the expectation from companies is that you have experience, which leads um, yeah. people to pretend they have experience. I've actually yeah. witnessed that um, with a couple of close friends who have had to pretend they've you know, had their own consulting company in order to get a job somewhere. It's actually worked out really well for them, but it's that balance of, okay, am I going to lie on my resume now just to even get uh, an interview? Yeah. I think, I think don't, uh, the other thing is people often see the data science title as the thing they need to get, but yeah. don't think that a data analyst or a data engineer, don't think there's a hierarchy there. They're just three parts of a, a wider data, um, the data requirements of a business. And if you, and getting into a data analyst role is probably easier because the competition is slightly lower because everyone's trying to get the data scientist title. So if you can get into a business as a data analyst and then start showing um, some of your skill set that a data scientist might be doing more of and then move into the data science role once you've established, established yourself in the company, that's probably a far easier way to go than wasting six months getting rejected from data science roles because people say you have no experience. I, I think try and get into a company and then show you show the value you can bring and then maybe move across or maybe it doesn't matter, maybe be the best data analyst that there is in the company and, and, and earn your money that way. Yeah, I agree. I think there's also a disconnect, a pretty big one where the titles of the jobs are not necessarily consistent, right? So there could be a data analyst doing a data scientist job because the company is trying to save money uh, hiring a data analyst and then really making them a data scientist and other way around where they call something a data scientist to attract talent, but really give you a job of a data analyst. So I think there's definitely a disconnect. So a lot of times I tell people to not even look at the job title, but read the day-to-day -day, you know, description of what will you be working on? What are the requirements and skills you need to know? Um, okay, you spoke about technical skills and we, we actually have so many questions coming in. But I want to touch on something you just come out with for Data Science Infinity that is free for people. And I'm going to share my screen um, to your Python and Data Science mini course. Yes. You can tell people about that as I share the screen. That would be cool. Great. Yeah. So th this is something that I'm going to be creating over the next week or two. So it's going to it's going to come out very soon. But it's a free. Python data science and machine learning mini course. So, so what I want you to do, and it's aimed at professionals. So, so maybe you're already working, but it's not necessarily only for professionals. So maybe you're already working and you, you're seeing this rapid rise of data science and machine learning. And, and you know that you know that it would be great for your career if you understood it a little bit better or you knew exactly what it meant to, you know, right under the hood of this. Mm. Um, and you, you've always wanted to get into it, but you, you just didn't know how how to get there because it's it's not doesn't seem that accessible. Um, so what I want to do is in the space of maybe two hours on the weekend, this is this is the scenario that I envisage you would do it in. Um, so a couple of hours, set, set aside a couple of hours in the weekend, 
And in the space of two hours, what we're going to do is as Kate scrolls down, so we'll install Python and learn the basics of that. And that's really, really easy. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, and then we're going to manipulate and analyze a data set, which is one of, one of the most common things that a data scientist would do. Um, we're just going to do something nice and simple, but you'll you'll see the types of things that, we're, that we often do and the types of considerations we need to make. And then we're going to do two really cool projects. So the first one is um, we're going to write some code in Python, and it will find all of the prime numbers between uh, two and a million. So it's going to find all of the prime numbers in between those two numbers. And it will do that in about, so I've said it in under a second there. So it will do that in about 0.3 of a second. And all that is is about eight or nine lines of code. Mm -hmm. But it will help you understand some of the different data structures which um, you might use in Python and why you might use them. And I think that's really important knowledge to have. But it's a really cool project as well. Um, and then the second project is we're going to train a machine learning model. So we're not going to do anything too complex, but we're not going to use the most vanilla machine learning model. We're going to build a random forest model, which is one of the most popular and powerful machine learning models because it doesn't require a whole lot of technical tweaking and tuning to work really well. But mm -hmm. it is one of the really commonly used ones because it is uh, it is such a powerful model and it can give such good results with very little sort of tuning. So that's all it's going to be. It's going to be really quick and easy, but I think this is going to be a really nice taster for, for people to to understand that this is achievable. There's my big mug on screen at the moment. There, is, there he is. There he is. So, so that's the other view from my office. At the moment, you see my padded walls. <laughs> that, that view looks a little bit nicer. Um, awesome. So, Andrew, I'm actually going to share a link to that mini course uh, right now in the comments. If you do go to that link, you'll be able to put in your name and your email address, and you will. I, I will email you when it's available. And mm -hmm. then uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to take that course, like I say, for for free. So um, I just want more people to be able to get into the field and sort of understand exactly what it is, but without the the barrier of all of this technical terminology. So I want people, you know, I want more people to come in and, and understand what we do. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm just looking. There was a question here from Tammy. There it is. It's asking, how is your program, Data Science Infinity, different from other courses or memberships out there? I know you touched on this, but maybe remind people again. Right. So um, it's different at the, at the very base level. I think it's different because it's not just one person saying this is what you should learn. It's, it's the result of my own expertise, my own interviews with hundreds of data science candidates and, and understanding where people are, are missing the mark when it comes to selling themselves to hiring managers or, or building up a skill set which hiring managers want. Um, so it's about, so, so if I was to boil down what I've just said there, it's about learning the right content rather mm -hmm. than trying to learn everything. So learn the right content and learn it well rather than trying to learn everything and sort of spreading yourself too thin. Uh, it's mm -hmm. all about learning in the right way. And what I mean by that is something I've touched on as well, which is, Everything in the course is focused heavily on intuition and understanding. So instead, so take the statistics section of the course. So instead of firing mathematical formulas at you like a, a statistic statistics textbook might, um, we learn everything with with cool sort of um, scenarios. So in the statistics one, we're the head coach of an NBA basketball team, and we need to find out exactly what's different between our team and other teams and whether we want to replace our star player with the new player who's performing quite well. Mm -hmm. um, so everything's really focused on on getting the right understanding and that's based on feedback from uh, other students that have mentored in the past. So um, another way, an another part of the course is the machine, le machine learning part, which is 
obviously a big part of what, what we do in data science. And the way we run through every algorithm is we start with a, a high level intuition, like theoretical intuition, where you get to understand what it is the algorithm does. And then we jump into Python and we code up a very basic code stencil. So you, you can push the buttons and see what happens without worrying too much about the technical side of it. And then we go back into understanding everything that's going on under the hood, you know, the, the mathematics behind it and why it happens that way. And then we jump back into Python and we do the advanced version and we apply that to our, our mock um, client, which we have, which is a grocery store called ABC Grocery. And we're helping them throughout the course build up their data science capabilities. Awesome. I think that's okay. very applicable. One more thing, which I, which I have to mention about why it's different from other courses is, so it, it's going to evolve over time. So it's not just static content. So I'm going to be adding content to it over time. But also, if you sign up to Data Science Infinity, it's not just the content, you get the unlimited guidance and support. So you you get access to the private members group where you can ask me and the other members of the, um, the, the course any questions at all you want. And that's unlimited. So if you're at the start of your career, or if you're interviewing, or if you've landed a job, and you want to know, how would you approach this problem that has landed on my desk, then I'm there to support and guide you. So it's sort of it's it's different because a lot of other courses say learn data science in six weeks or learn data science in three months. This is data science infinity, which yeah. is saying it's not it's not a it's not a destination. It's a journey, you know, as, as cheesy as that sounds. Uh, it isn't a fixed period. It's it's unlimited access. So you're, you're going to continue learning over time. Infinity. I love that. Uh, there's actually a question about the course that I don't think we touched on. Is what time zone are you based off for this course? So if, People do want that personal touch and, you know, have those conversations right. with you. How does that work? So I'm based, so I'm in London. Um, so I'm on GMT plus one. I learned this morning that Greenwich Mean Time is not just the time in London. I never knew that. We have daylight savings time as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm in London. So that, it, it, so if you're in the private members group from from the hours of you know nine to five, I will be very uh, responsive. Outside of those hours, I'll be slightly less responsive, but your question will always get answered, and I'll always try my best to you know like your question will will always get an answer, even if it's uh, the next morning when I get in. You know, I'll prioritize your question. So it it is something that is a bit tricky, and and once once data science infinity scales and grows a bit more, then maybe I'll bring on a mentor who might live in you know, a time zone that works well for other people as well, because I think that would be quite handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, quick reminder to those who are watching us live, put your questions in the comments and we're going to address as many as we can probably in the next 30 minutes. Right now, I'm going to play a like 15 second commercial for the dedicated conference. And this is also me testing out StreamYard because I'm going to be playing commercials during the conference next week. So bear with me. Um, Andrew is going to kick you out and bring you back in 15 seconds. Join us on October 27th, 2020, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern, the Dedicated Conference, the first ever conference hosted fully on LinkedIn Live. Join us to hear from all of these amazing speakers. And it's all for free. All right, thanks for that. I think I sound so like mysterious in that, um, and it's. I think it's a little bit low. Um, you have a question here. Can you please send a hyperlink for the mini course? So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up again and pay, copy paste it into the comments, just so people have that. 
But in the meantime, Andrew, let's see. Question here from Tomas. I see many of my friends finish data science courses, but they don't have any project backups uh, to back up their sleeves. How would you encourage the attendees to work on their personal projects? Uh, so projects are quite an important um, thing to have in your arsenal, if you, especially if you're coming from a place where you don't have any specific work experience in the field. So it's definitely something that you're encouraged to, to do. Um, and, and throughout Data Science Infinity, so, so like I was saying before, every machine learning algorithm that we learn about or every concept we learn about, we we solve that in a, in a project-based manner as much as we can. So what you can do if you take the courses, you can take that and then expand that slightly more to make your own project. Um, the, the way that it, it sometimes has to work in a course is that we can't cover everything all at once for every different scenario. So um, what you could do is take that and then and then expand that and, and use that as a project for your own portfolio. Um, and then I'm obviously uh, happy to support you in your own projects and, and review your projects prior to maybe going into an interview as well. Um, but in terms of in terms of projects, I think it's quite a good a good topic to talk about because a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the project on the projects that they're doing and they do it. And I've seen this when I'm interviewing people and they want to share their portfolio with you. But as a hiring manager, you don't have that much time to look at these things. So I just want to share one bit of advice for portfolios. So for any project that you do, make sure that you have a really clear summary at the top of your project about everything that you did within it. So it's like, so if you write a, a white paper or something, it's the abstract at the top, which summarizes everything that you did and then go into more detail. If you make a hiring manager or, or a recruiter work to get through to see what it is you've done, then it's, and it sounds bad, but it, it almost goes in the too hard basket because a hiring manager has so many other things to do in their day-to-day -day role that they don't have time to spend half a day trying trying to understand what it was you did so make everything as easy as possible for them so so mm -hmm. summarize um and and start from inception right through to conclusion so what was the what was the business problem that you're trying to solve how did you you know what approaches did you look to use and why did you choose approach c over approach b and a and then what was the result of it so what was the tangible impact that you think it had and and it doesn't matter to me as a hiring manager or an interviewer, it doesn't matter too much if you if you're using a, a mock data set. So say the, the classic one in the classic one in machine learning is the Titanic data set where you're predicting who's going to survive on the Titanic. And that's all well and good. And I don't have any problem with that as a project. It's awesome for people getting into the field. But if you if you did something like that and all it was was this is the this is the model I built and I got a classification accuracy of 91%. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for a hiring manager. They can't see how that translates to you adding value to their team. So, and this, and I talked about this this morning on my other live session, and and I think it sounds it seems a bit silly, but if if you were to take the Titanic data set and you were to translate that into a a true business problem, so frame that as instead of who's going to survive the Titanic, frame mm -hmm. it as I work for a luxury shipping company and I want to predict what the outcome might be in the case of a disaster and this is the these are the considerations i need to take into account um, and this is the approaches i took and this is the result so yeah i got this classification accuracy but what does that mean into you know for the shipping company try and phrase it try and frame it in a way where the person viewing it can see it as a as a, a holistic project because a lot of the time when you're building a portfolio you are using sort of stock data sets try and try and 
turn that into a business problem, even if you have to sort of frame it in a creative way, I think that will get you a lot further and that will push you to the top of the stack because everyone's doing, I built this model and I got this percent, you know, accuracy. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times you could just find the, the algorithm and all that stuff on Google, right? Just uh, yep. for, for that standard Titanic one. So I think it's um, it's good to get creative with it. There's actually a, a question here from Gaurav about resumes and what advice would you give to someone who has experience solving business issues, has academic projects um, in the technical skills for a data analyst role, but can't get their resume to stand out. So how do they make their resume stand out? Um, it's a it's a tricky one because I, I I don't know the, the exacts of where you're coming from, I suppose, but um, in terms of key ways to get your resume to stand out, so there's some really simple things you can do, and that's as simple as something like putting your name in big letters at the top because like I say before, hiring managers and recruiters are having to look through so many of these. And I think uh, the the lady I talked to this morning, she said that on average, recruiters look at a CV for six seconds. So you have to hit them in the face early with, this is why I'm here and this is why you need me. Um, try and put a profile at the top, you know, uh, a couple of sentences about who you are at the top. And, and don't just say, I know Python and I know um, this machine learning model. Always put something like, I, I'm looking to solve business problems using appropriate data science solutions. Like as tame a sentence as that is, that yeah. can start the sort of cogs ticking as to why you might fit into this team. Because at the end of the day, you're, nobody's paying you to sit in the chair and look smart. They're paying you to solve the problems and add value for their team or for their business. And if you can start getting them thinking about you doing that, even with a subtle change of wording like that, it can make a big difference and put you to the top of the pile. Yeah, absolutely. One one thing that's worked for me, and this was years ago when I was exploring potentially leaving my 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 job to get a data science role. What I put on my resume was obsessed with data science. And I remember one of the interviews I went on, they're like, we literally call you in here because it said you were obsessed with data science. They're like, this is exactly what we want. We don't care what you know. We want to make sure you want to learn everything. And I think that stood out for them. So whoever yeah. wants to use that, go for it. Um, we've got Scott Taylor here who misspelled my name. Thanks, Scott. Ravit, who spelled my name correctly. So Ravit, you win this one. Um, let's see, questions. There's so many, I'm just trying to choose a good one. Okay, Anish is asking, how important is it for a data scientist to have data engineering or big data skills? That's a very good question. Very good question. And, and my answer is, <laughs> it depends. Uh, <laughs> So it will vary role to role, company to company. So in smaller companies, a data scientist might be required to do a broader skill set. So they might they might need to you know move into the realms of what data engineers might do. And in larger companies, so in Amazon, for example, there's going to be there's going to be a data science team. There's going to be a data engineering team. And and the best the best setups that I've been in is where there is a data science team and there is a data engineering team and they sit side by side, you know, uh, and they they understand the considerations of what the other team's doing and they work very closely. But I, do, I don't, my personal view is that a data scientist should focus primarily on the core skills of data science, which is, which is understanding the data and what the data can tell the business and understanding 
the statistics and the statistical tests that might tell us more about the data and understanding why the why what the data is telling us might not be the true story i don't think they should spread themselves too broad because mm. that takes away from their initial skill set and i always think about it like this uh, so a data scientist will often work with the marketing team as well but nobody's expecting me to know all of the skills that the marketing team knows that's what the marketing team excels at and it's what they're trained in so why are we expecting data scientists to know what the data engineering team does to the extent that the data engineers do so i think a data scientist should always understand the considerations or so they should consider what the data engineering team needs to work well and to work seamlessly because they will be the two teams will be working side by side and they'll be interacting all of the time so you need to understand what they're doing, but I don't think you need to know data engineering skills to the level that a data engineer would. And I come yeah. yeah. from big, big businesses like Sony and Amazon. So in smaller businesses, like I say, that's going to be less, it's going to be a more blurred line. But in bigger businesses, I think there should be a, a slight line between the two. Yeah, I agree. The bigger companies would have a dedicated data engineering team that you would just have to interact with and understand how you together all the pieces yeah. of the puzzle because i wouldn't i wouldn't trust me to like be in charge of the security of the data or the like because it'll go wrong very quickly but yes. but like put me in charge of what i know how to do and that's a good thing but don't expect me to do business critical things that i'm not really sure about exactly exactly if you need data engineering you need andreas kretz and his yes, exactly his right <laughs> Um, all right, awesome. So question from Sankar, why are companies not providing opportunities to beginners? What skills are required to get an opportunity as a beginner? I think we had a, a somewhat similar question before. And so data science is a very competitive industry. And a lot of that comes down to the job title. And it's been labeled as the sexiest job of the 21st century. And we know that salaries are very high in the field. Uh, so there's a lot of competition, which means that unless you're at the top of the pack, you're going to struggle to get a role. And we see that time and time again. But like we touched on earlier, don't be afraid to get in the door with a different role, whether that's an insights analyst or a data analyst, and then prove your data science skill set once you're in the door. Um, because it is hard to get a data science role unless you can prove that you're one of the best, because there's hundreds, if not thousands of people you know on the linkedin jobs applying for every data science role so it is tricky but you don't forget to get in the door other ways and then move across i think that's a really good way to do it mm -hmm. yeah i agree um scott's apologized and learn how to spell my name that's good and uh tom liked the ad awesome uh there's a question here from dennis what works better deep specialization in a certain topic or a broad set of various skills you know, we just touched on that with the data yeah. engineering bit, but maybe if we talk about it within the data science realm. Yeah, I think, again, a lot of these questions come down to, uh, it depends, because specializing specializing heavily in an area can be really good, and, and it's not something that I've ever done, but I know that there are research data scientists that exist within companies, or even people that go on to do PhDs. It's very specialized work, and it can lead to the, the pushing of the boundaries of certain areas of the field. And that's really important because we need people. You can't, you can't spread yourself thin and expect to be pushing the, the cutting edge boundaries of the field. So we need people to be doing that. 
But then if you're if you're in the 99% of data scientists and you're working for companies in finance and in you know retail and and you know working with marketing teams, I think having that broader set of skills is probably more advantageous to you because it means you can move around and you can experience different industries and different um, skill sets. And and that I mean I, that's where I'm coming from because I've personally done that. I've worked in lots of different industries, and I think that's benefited me in my career because I've experienced different data and different ways of thinking. And because you work in a different industry, you've seen different types of models being used and you kind of learn a little bit more that way. But it depends. It depends on your personality as well. Maybe you really want to push down a certain avenue. I mean, I, I've never wanted to specialize myself or maybe I don't have the, the skills to get that far down a certain route. So I just spread myself thin a little bit. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think one's better than the other. Just go with what you're passionate about. If you're if you're really passionate about a subject, then go for it. Because yeah. that's the main thing at the end of the day. You're you're working at a job five days a week, nine to five. Like be excited about it and push the boundaries yourself. But don't don't limit yourself. If you want to check different things out, then do it. But if you want to keep going down that path, then then that's it. That's great as well, I think. Yeah, I think it also has a lot to do with people's uh, unique personalities, right? Some people like to do a deep dive in that one thing and be the master of that one thing where I'm more of the, I want to do five different things and don't want to limit myself to just doing that one. Uh, and it, again, there, there are plus and minuses to, to both of those. So I guess it's the, it depends answer yeah. as you've been answering to a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's true. It depends. Um, George Farrakhan in the house, how can you start when no one will hire you because you only have academic experience? Interesting. So um, again, I think that comes down to try to do try to do projects which you can frame in a real business way, um, or try to get uh, try to get an internship, or try to even even reach out to a charity and say, "Can I help you with your data?" And they'll be more than willing to bring you on and help you, uh, bring you on and let them help you, let you help them with their data, mm -hmm. and that becomes your real world experience. But like I say, if you can do a project and frame it in a real business way and showcase to a hiring manager that that's the way you've thought about it, then if you if you get the right hiring manager, they will see that. They'll see that way of thinking. A lot of these problems come, in my view, because the interviewing process in data science, in a lot of cases, I see it as broken. People are interviewing in the wrong way. That's just a personal opinion. I think they're looking for the wrong things. Tell us more. I'm intrigued. So, so what you find in a lot of data science interviews, and and I've seen this, and I've also heard feedback from a lot of aspiring data scientists, is they will get in an interview, they'll be asked to solve some extremely complex coding question, mm -hmm. or some you know explain the difference between these these two complex machine learning algorithms in this particular scenario, and then when they when they start working, they say, oh, can you go? pull out this contact list using SQL. And they're like, well, what's going on here? But the problem with asking questions like that is you're going to end up bringing the wrong people in. Because again, like I say, to me, it's all about people that can add the most value, not necessarily the person who on that day was able to answer that question. By chance, they knew the answer. Whereas the, the person who could be so great for your team just didn't happen to know that specific question. And I see, I think it, a lot of people get their questions from sites like HackerRank and LeetCode, and they think that that's a good way to 
understand who's a good data scientist and who isn't. But I, I think it needs to be broader than that. And that stuff's important in, in some roles more than others. But I think it's the value add and the 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 way of thinking through business problems and solving them with an appropriate solution, which maybe isn't the most complex, but it's the the one that you can get into the business and get adding value. And it's just a personal grievance I have with the, the data science interviewing process. But hopefully yeah. I focus on this stuff a lot and I hope in some small way that people see it and they they keep thinking about the value add side of it rather than the the skills. But the skills are super important and the products and the tools are super important. Don't get, get me wrong. But I, I, I like that idea of using your unique skills to solve the problems. Yeah, I think uh, what happens is sometimes the interviewers themselves are not sure what they need to be looking for. And I think it's also an issue of time. Does it take more time for them to conduct a better, more effective interview versus telling somebody, hey, solve this coding problem, put it, put it up on a whiteboard. I want to see how you think yeah. or something like that. that well, that's what I heard somebody doing. Yeah. Or maybe they don't really know what they're after as well. So that's why you get these really convoluted job descriptions where they list every every tool that's being used in the industry and people are scared away by it. But I think that comes down to not really knowing what you're doing. And I, I, I think that can be a red flag sometimes when you see a company that's asking for everything. They obviously don't really know what problems they're trying to solve. So when you get in there, you might find that it's a bit of a mess. Not necessarily, but it, it can be the case. Or when they ask you for, you know, a person with 10 years of experience with a program that's only five years old or something, that's another red flag there. I always love those posts on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so we have two questions. One, we kind of covered this in the beginning. So Scott's asking how important are soft skills. So Scott, you joined us late. We covered soft versus technical skills. But maybe if we combine Scott's question with uh, Simon, who's asking how do you join the science of analysis and the art of communication to become the best data scientist. And we can lump those together. Yeah. So to, to Scott's question, I think it's super important. And that that's, again, it can depend on the role. So some roles are not so dependent on the softer skills. They're very much coding dependent because there's a specific requirement that needs to, needs to happen. And that's fine for, for the roles that I've worked in and the people that I've talked to that those softer skills are the, they're the difference between a good data scientist and a great data scientist. So the technical skills will take you so far and it's that next step of being able to understand the business problem and 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 like Simon said here, the art of communication, because that's huge in data science. If you if you can explain what it is that you're doing to people who who aren't coming from a technical background like you are, but they're the ones that are they're holding the key between whether this is going to be used or not used because say it's say it's the the head of marketing or a senior marketing manager they they're almost responsible for the customers in a retail environment let's say and they don't want to put in place some machine learning algorithm that's going to do something for their customers that they don't understand so you need you need to be able to tell them and get them to trust what it is you're doing otherwise it's just going to sit on the shelf yeah. um so and I, I think building building communication skills is something that does come from experience a little bit as well but I think at the very least, just always think about what it is are you trying to what is it you're trying to achieve for the business? Like what what's the business problem that we're trying to solve? And and almost like paste that up above on the wall, you know, like never forget that. And and I think that will help you. You'll always be able to be, you'll always focus on the different parts of the business question and therefore you'll always be able to be communicating why what you're doing is impacting that or what the the knock-on effects are gonna be. So 
how do you how does one practice something like that so technical skills are a little straightforward right there's a machine learning algorithm you either memorize it you understand it you learn it you can practice it how would you practice the soft skills like communication for example i think i think in everything you do like i was saying frame it as a a true business problem and and just always be thinking about what the what the stages of that are from from inception which is like understanding the business problem through to what the impact's going to be and uh, personally i think the the best way to learn communication skills is to surround yourselves with surround yourself with people that are very good at it uh, mm-hmm. and there are people um on LinkedIn who are very good at it and maybe try and talk to them about like what's the what are the key things that you've found throughout your career because it does come from experience I think people with 20 years experience selling in machine learning models or sell, selling anything they'll be able to tell you what it is that's worked for them and what it what hasn't worked for them and there's so much valuable information from that because like you say technical skills that are a slightly different learning curve you can just hammer away at them whereas a a, a softer skill like that that is harder to learn, but but that's why it's the difference between a good data scientist and a great data. It's the cream on top that really separates you. And it's not some it's not as natural for some people, but you can always improve it, absolutely. What what are your thoughts on practicing by, let's say, doing a project, right? You take the project from gathering data, cleaning data, applying machine learning algorithms, but then presenting it on video, like share your screen, put yourself on camera and present it and put it up on social media or you know send it to a couple of friends who you think do a good job at this yeah yeah i I mean before you do it on social media i would say build up slowly that that could be quite (laughs) for a lot of people and it might stop from doing it whereas i think what you say is really important and in the in the um interviewing section of data science infinity i talk a lot about make yourself at least at the very very least say the words out loud you know instead of just thinking what the answer to a question might be in your head say the yeah. words out loud because getting your mouth moving to answer a question is a completely different mental process than answering it in your head and it, it gets you into that routine of of enunciating it and vocalizing it in a way that's clear um mm-hmm. so i would i would definitely practice things out loud and like you say send it to some people that so I always say surround yourself with people that um will inspire you not that you're directly going to compare yourself to or might you know criticize it find people who are looking to help other people and, mm-hmm. and absolutely do that do that put put something together and ask them for feedback and and if you're in data science infinity for example i would more than happily help you with that and i'm i'm still learning this stuff myself absolutely i'm not a natural born communicator or an extrovert or anything it's something that i'm still building but i'm happy to help people who are you know trying to trying to build their skills as well absolutely because it is so important yeah, I agree. And Simon also said, uh, practice presenting your analytical findings with friends and family, tolerant ones. I think my kids wouldn't mind if I just sat them down. <laughs> they won't understand any of it, but <laughs> that could be fun. Uh, I had a good question here from William here. So can you learn machine learning? I'm an accountant with no background in computer system engineering. Is it useful to take online courses for R and or Python? And before you say something, Andrew, I just want to let William know if he missed it, there is a free mini course on machine learning that Andrew has put out there. I'll share the link one more time, but go ahead, Andrew, answer answer that question. Cool. Yeah. So the, the mini course is going to be pretty lightweight. So so definitely look at it and that will hopefully pique your interest in the area. But in terms of 
in terms of learning machine learning without any background in computer systems or engineering, absolutely you can do it, absolutely. And that that is the premise of what I'm trying to do with Data Science Infinity. Like I said earlier, it's I'm trying to teach people in the right way based on the feedback that I've got from others who are learning in the field. And it doesn't have to be complicated. And, and people will tell you that you're not allowed to do machine learning unless you've got a mathematics degree or that you know linear algebra back to front and you know statistics back to front. I just, I don't agree with that. Learn the maths as you go. L learn the maths as you're pushing buttons in a machine learning algorithm. Try it and see what happens and then change something and try it and then, and then go watch a video on why that part of the machine learning algorithm works in that way. So that, that's what I'm trying to do in, in Data Science Infinity is bring everything down to the most intuitive level possible, but in a way that still covers what you need to know. So instead of a mathematical formula, instead of all of the Greek symbols, let's write out all of those words and just have the formula like that. And then we can all understand it together. And you can see why when that part goes up, that part goes down, it makes more sense that way. And like I say, I think that's one of the fundamental skills that you can have to be a great data scientist is learning in that way and then communicating to other people in the business in that way as well because they don't get the mathematical formulas either that's what i'm saying i don't get the i don't get the mathematical formulas but that's helped me sell in machine learning models because people people seem to like the way i describe it in a intuitive and basic way and they they then trust the model and they understand what it's doing so i think you can get into this from any background absolutely awesome thank you so as we wrap up i just want to let people know that there is that mini course but there's also a bigger thing happening with data science infinity so um andrew i'm on your main site now datascienceinfinity.com yes. so this is a, a full-on course for those who are not at the beginning stages or are ready to jump in with, you know, both feet in the water or however that 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 quote is said. Uh, there's a full course that, how long is this? Is this, a, is this the infinity course that goes on forever? Yes, so this this is the this is the big course. This is the one. So so this is I think there's 221 tutorials in there at the moment, and that's going to evolve and grow over time. Um, and they cover, like I say, everything. So, so when I talk to all of these leaders and hiring managers and recruiters that are in the field, and I distill down exactly what it is you need to know at the start of your journey and what you don't need to know, yeah. this is it. This is what you need to know to get started in the field. Um, and it's going to evolve and it's going to grow from there. But, but you're also going to get this dedicated support and guidance throughout your whole journey. So there's no there's no six-week time period where you're expecting to be a, an expert. It's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works for anything in the world. So why expect that to be the case for data science? Um, so yeah, go go to the site. It's data-science-infinity.teachable.com. Um, I can, or Kate, if you can put that in. Or I just, if you can I just put a link there as well. Yeah, great, great. Um, so head there and have a look. So there's the full curriculum. There's all of the information that you'll need. There is some preview videos you can watch where you can see the way that I'm running the, the tutorials and you can you can understand the way that it's all working. And then if you want to get in touch with me, um, you can email me. There's my email address. You can get in touch via LinkedIn. I will always respond on LinkedIn because I'm on here all day, every day. This is what I do. I sit and I, I'm in the private members group helping people and I'm on LinkedIn helping people. So, so don't worry about feeling intimidated by data science or machine learning this this is what's going to help you get in and this is going to get you the whole transformation that i'm trying to do is you're going to start from a place where maybe you you don't have confidence in 
in doing this, but I'm telling you that you can do it. And I'm telling you what you need to learn. I'm teaching you in the right way. And if you take this course, you, you're absolutely going to move ahead of the pack. You're going to move ahead of everybody else that's vying for these same jobs as you. I guarantee it because you're learning, the, you're learning what hiring managers want and you're learning it in a way that you can explain it to them. And then I'm also giving you tips on how to interview and what hiring managers are looking for. So, so go take a look. And, and like I say, get in touch with any questions. I will, I will be more than happy to, to discuss. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. And we still have so many questions that we simply won't get to uh, because we kind of have to wrap up now. Uh, but just a few comments. Tammy says this program looks amazing. Scott spelled everything correctly. Infinity course goes on forever. Um, William says, thanks for showing my question. No problem, William. So a few things to wrap up with. Um, Andrew, thank you again for this session and thank you for Data Science Infinity for being community partners with the Dedicated Conference. We will select three winners after the session and we'll announce them on LinkedIn. So we'll select three people who have asked uh, amazing questions and we'll announce that uh, later today. But quick reminder, go ahead and sign up for Andrew's free mini course to get a flavor of you know, his instruction style, his materials, and then uh, also check out his bigger course and sign up for the free dedicated conference coming up uh, next Tuesday, very much in the same style. We'll have 16 speakers go for a total of four hours because that's the longest you can actually go live on LinkedIn. If it was five hours, I would have done five. If it was three, I would do three. So that, that's where the four hours comes from. But Andrew, uh, let people know one more time where they can find you because I know your name is very common. Yes, yes. So if you're looking for me on LinkedIn, my name is down at the moment as Andrew Jones, Data Science Infinity. So you will find me there. And then um, I will, or I think Kate, you posted my profile and somebody else posted my profile in the comments. So you will find it in the comments. Uh, and there is a Data Science Infinity group here on LinkedIn as well, which you can join. I think that's that's got almost 6,000 people in it. And I post some content in there every so often as well. Um, and then all my details are on the Data Science Infinity site as well. So you'll find me there. So yeah, get in touch with any questions. I'm more than happy to help. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. And thanks for everybody who's joined us live. Thank you. All right.